the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas without any data to back that up. Bringing you the latest in all sports news from KCAC to AAC to the NBA to the NFL to the NCAA. You get all of that right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. say what makes it number one or those of you who listen to it at the time you listen to it and when you listen to it that means at that particular time guess what this is number one it's two podcasts so that's why I come as number one so that's my proof that it is the number one podcast in the state of Kansas because of the time it takes for you to listen to it to which I am very appreciative to which that I say thank you I also want to send a shout out to the guy who has made his mark in the city of Wichita throughout the years. And when I say years, he has been around a while. Uh, he has a hand in League 42. Uh, he's pretty much the overseer. He puts his heart and passion into it. And he also was in the community as well, too. I believe with where League 42 is located in the community with the community at heart I was guest on the Bob and Jeff show Bob Lutz reached out to me and when I seen the message I automatically said this is an honor I am definitely going to take him up on this offer had a good time co-hosting this show with him he rolled out the red carpet for me. Uh, his wife answered the door. I mean, I couldn't have felt no more welcome than what I did on Monday. In the frigid cold, it's good to know that people do have warm hearts. So I want to say thank you to Bob Lutz for allowing me the opportunity to, in the words of Deion Sanders, get my shine on on your radio show, the Bob and Jeff show. Thanks to Jeff. What did Jeff do? Well, Jeff wasn't there. He couldn't be in. So I was in his place. So I want to say thanks to him, too. And thanks to whoever, and I'm pretty sure it's Bob that thought of it. And he said, look forward to doing it a few, some more down through the years. So I'm looking forward to some more opportunities and endeavors to be on radio with the legendary Bob Luke. So I just can't say thank you enough for it. Anyway, you know, 
I have made an effort to uh, look at sports in Kansas, even the KCAC. And what I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at the standings. I'm going to look at the schedule. I also want to look at the statistics. I also want to pay recognition to teams that are being uh, looked at in the coaches' poll. So there are three teams from the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference, the KCAC, were recognized in the latest edition of the NAIA Men's Basketball Coaches' Poll. National Office announced on Wednesday today. Two teams from the conference were ranked in the top ten, with Oklahoma Wesleyan University moving up four spots to number four, and Southwestern College dropping three spots to number nine. Kansas Wesleyan University joined the Eagles and Mound Builders in the national rankings, with the Coyotes becoming a part of the receiving votes category in the latest edition of the poll. The next edition of the NAIA Men's Basketball Coaches Poll will be released Wednesday, January the 31st. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at the poll, but I also want to look at what they call the poll mythology, which is how they come up with these rankings. So the NAIA Men's Basketball Poll is for publicity purposes only and has no weight or bearing in the selection process for national championship field consideration. The poll was voted upon by a panel of head coaches representing each of the conferences and continental athletic conference independence. The top 25 is determined by a point system based on how each voter ranks the best teams team receives 30 points for each first place vote, 29 for second place, and so on through the list. The highest and lowest ranking for each team, a non-rating is considered a low ratings, is removed. Teams that receive only one point in the ballot are not considered receiving or women. Teams that, are, that receive only one point in the ballot are not considered receiving votes. Frequency of polls occur bi-weekly. Records listed are as of the end of the day on Monday of the poll week. So now what we're going to do is take a look at the top 25. Coming in at number one is Grace, Indiana. 16 and 0. Coming in at number 2 is Langston out of Oklahoma at 15 and 0. Coming in at number 3 and move that's moving up two spots from last week when they were number 5 is College of Idaho at 14 and 2. As you heard, moving up four spots from the 8 spot to number 4, Oklahoma Westland at 15 and one. Coming in at number five from the number nine spot is Indiana Wesleyan at 15 and two. Moving up six spots from number 12 to number six is Cumberland's Kentucky at 16 and one. Also moving up from 11 to seven 
Freed Hardeman out of Tennessee at 14-2. Dropping one spot after being number seven last week, down eight. Montana Tech at 13-3. Of course, you heard they dropped three spots from 6-9, Southwestern out of Kansas at 13-2. Coming in at 10 after being ranked 14 last week is Lords out of Ohio at 13-1. Moving up from 16 to 11, Mobile, Alabama at 14-3. Dropping from 4 down to 12, LSU Shreveport out of Louisiana at 11-3. Coming up 7 spots from 20 to 13, Roosevelt, Illinois at 14-2. Dropping 1 spot from 13 to 14, Northwestern Iowa out foot 14 and 3. Coming at number 15 after being ranked number 10 last week, Arizona Christian at 14 and 4. Coming in at 16. After moving up from 22 is Florida Memorial. Then you have 18, Tennessee Southern, number 19. Antelope Valley out of California. Coming in at the number 20 spot after being ranked 17th, Morningside, Iowa at number 21, Point Park out of Pennsylvania. Coming in at number 22 after being ranked number 19 last week, Olivet Nazarene out of Illinois. Coming in at ranked number 23rd is Bethel out of Indiana. At the number 24 spot in holding steady, Oregon Tech. And number 25, running out the top 25, is SAGU out of Texas. Dropped from the top 25, Florida College, Xavier, Louisiana. The Masters, California. Wayland Baptist out of Texas. And Rocky Mountain out of Montana. Those receiving others... Florida College, 107, Central Methodist, Missouri, 100, Avenue Maria, out of Florida, 69, Talladega, Alabama, 48, Marion, Indiana, 41, Madonna, Michigan, 34, The Masters, California, 22, Maryville State, out of North Dakota, 17, Xavier, out of Louisiana, 14, Mid-American Nazarene, out of Kansas, 7, Kansas Wesleyan, 6. Hastings, Nebraska, 5. Wayland Baptist, uh, Texas, 4. Vanguard, California, 3. West Virginia University, out of West Virginia University Tech, out of West Virginia, 3. Central Baptist, Arkansas, 3. So there you have a rundown of the NAIA Top 25 and those schools that were dropped from the Top 25 and schools that were receiving others. Right now what I'm going to do is look at the standings in the KCAC. As nationally ranked teams are holding the top spots in the KCAC. As Oklahoma Western University is in the top spot at 9-1 in the conference, 
Conference, 15-1 overall. Kansas Western University, 9-1, 12-4 overall. Southwestern College, 8-2, 13-2 overall. McPherson College, 6-3, 11-4 overall. Ottawa University, 5-5, 10-6. Sterling College, 5-5, 9-6. Bethel College, 5 and 5, 8 and 8. Evangel University coming in at 5 and 5, 7 and 8. York University, 4 and 5. Make sure I'm looking at it right. Yeah, 4 and 5, 6 and 9. Friends University right here in Wichita, Kansas, 4 and 6, 7 and 8. Tabor College. Four and six, seven and nine. University of St. Mary, three and seven, seven and nine. Avila University, one and nine, two and ten. Bethany College, one and nine, two and thirteen. That is the men's standings. For some reason, I, I'm not able to pull up the women's standings. So what I will do is give you the schedule coming up next. There are a slew of games on. And it is my knowledge that most of these games are men and women's double hitters. So games as of Wednesday, January 17th. Start time looking at 7 p.m. Varies between 7 p.m., 7.30, and 8 p.m. Have Bethany College traveling to York University in York, Nebraska. That's a seven o'clock tip-off time. University of St. Mary traveling to Winfield, Kansas, to take on Southwestern College. That's a seven p.m. kickoff time. Also, Ottawa University is traveling to Hillsboro, Kansas, to take on Tabor for eight p.m. tick tick up tip off. Can't get that out. Then you have Bethel College traveling to Springfield, Missouri to take on Evangel. That's a 7.30 p.m. tip off. McPherson College travels to Kansas City, Missouri to take on Avila. 8 p.m. tip off. Fringe University travels to Bartlesville, Oklahoma to take on Oklahoma Western University. That's an 8 p.m. tip off as well. Kansas Western University is traveling to Sterling, Kansas to take on Sterling College at 8 p.m. Ottawa University travel, travels to Hillsboro to take on Tabor College. That, too, is an 8 p.m. tip-off. And these are Wednesday's games for January the 17th. So stop by and check out a game of your liking. Looking at the statistics, what we have here, points per game is led by, I'm just going to give you the first initial and the last name as it is on the website here. 
We have C. Clark out of Southwestern, averaging 26.5 points a game. J. Hibbert out of Ottawa, averaging 21.3 points a game. D. Buggage out of Ottawa's averaging 18.4 points a game. John Murdoch, I remember that name, out of Kansas Wesleyan, is averaging 18.2 points per game. A little John out of Kansas Western as well is averaging seventeen point one. So they have a they have a two headed monster there. Uh, rebounds per game, little John out of Kansas Western averaging eleven points. So not only is he a scoring machine, but he's also a rebound machine at eleven and a half. C store is averaging ten point three rebounds a game. A and Wang and Yang, ten point one rebounds a game. D St. Martin, seven point nine rebounds a game. M Bill out of York, Nebraska, seven point eight points a game. Seven point eight rebounds a game. Field goal percentage, Jay Litsky out of Oklahoma Western, seventy point six percent. M Thiessen. Southwestern, 67.5%. T. Bow, Kansas Wesleyan, 63.5%. G. DeVault, Evangel, Missouri, 58.5%. And A. Little John, Kansas Wesleyan, 57.5 points per game. Three point shooting percentage. Jay Hibbert out of Ottawa, 53%. C. Allen out of Sterling, 50%. J. D. Maria, Southwestern, 45%. B. Doss out of Sterling, 44.9%. And J. Henderson out of York, Nebraska, 44.4%. So there you have your sister statistical leaders, your top statistical leaders in the KCAC. So, I tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to take a break right here. And when I come back, I'm going to take a look at Wichita State University basketball. It's all Mills is looking to shake things up. So come back on the other side of this break and we will tell you what kind of shakeups we can expect to see coming out of Wichita State as they get ready to embark upon a two-game road swing out in the great state of Florida. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the glass man just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit. 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. 
And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Sunday they took on the Memphis Tigers and it wasn't a pretty sight it was good for a little bit but second half Memphis couldn't be stopped Uh, I told you at the onset of my podcast I was on the Bob and Jeff show on Monday and kind of talked about Wichita State for a little bit and uh I made reference. I said, as hot as Memphis was, the worst team in the NBA probably couldn't stop them that afternoon. I mean, when you look at the numbers, the numbers were astronomical. I mean, everything was over 50% from the field, from the free throw line, from the three-point line. Memphis could not be stopped. As much as it pains me to say that, I mean, they were just that, there's no way to say it then. They were just that damn good. Plain and simple. So, Anyway, Paul Mills has decided everything is on the table. He promises to shake things up. So after Wichita State gave up the fifth most points in program history in Sunday's loss to Memphis, first year head coach, Paul Mills promised a shakeup is on the way. The Shockers have lost five straight games following a 112-86 loss to number 13 ranked Memphis, the program's longest losing streak since 2009, and have won once since the calendar flipped to December. Mills has tinkered with the starting lineup just once this season and has largely played the same rotation. But the coach said changes to both could happen for WSU's road swing to Florida next week. The Shockers play at Florida Atlantic on Thursday and at South Florida next Saturday. Everything is on the table now, especially after a game like that, Mill said. WSU has always started a three-guard lineup with Xavier Bell, Kobe Rogers, and Harlan Beverly, center Quincy Ballard, when everyone is healthy. Mills recently inserted Dalen Reginald into the starting five for Kenny Poto, while B. John Cortez, Ryan DeGrader third, and Isaac Abidi have rounded out the bench unit. Senior Jacob Germany and freshman wing Joy Ivoja have largely gone unused this season. Roger said the mood from the players in the locker room is disappointment but not despair after the team's 0-3 start in the American Athletic Conference play. 
Nobody likes losing, but the worst thing for us is to get down on ourselves and get discouraged and lose hope, Roger said. There is a lot of basketball left. We've got to focus on what we have to do as a team and focus on getting better as individuals. This is our third game in conference. It's not the end of the world. No time to panic. Just keep working and keep getting better and take it day by day. While WSU's 86 points and 13 three-pointers on Sunday was a nice way to break out of a month-long slump on offense, it was a concerning performance from the team's defense, especially after Coach hammered home a return to the team's identity after a week-long break from action. It was clear Memphis was on a collective heater to finish with a school record 19 three-pointers, but take away eight of those triples and Memphis still scored more points than WSU. Even Memphis coach Penny Hardaway admitted he was surprised by his team's outside shooting. But Memphis punished WSU just the same inside the arc as the Tigers made 65.8% their two-pointers, 25 of 38. Simply put, WSU failed to put up much resistance anywhere on the court. I'll look at the switching, then I'll look at closeout, Smell said. When asked to pinpoint the problems on defense, how you switch is important, and you can't switch level. You have to switch up. I would tell you the other thing. Our closeouts is on a person, is on personnel. Just from my eye before, I really dive into it. Those were the two biggest issues. Memphis made a handful of tough shots. But WSU defensive miscues also allowed the Tigers to shoot freely on many of those three-pointers. The Shockers also continued their post-halftime woes, giving up another knockout punch early in the second half. Rogers mentioned just about every area of the team's defense that needs to be improved. We knew they were trying. We knew they were trying to get paint touches, and they had guys who could go one-on-one off the bounce. Rogers said. We were emphasizing being in the gaps, but there's a fine line in being in the gap and overhelping. We got burned on that a couple of times in some back doors, and then not being close enough to close out on guys on the three-point line. And they had some offensive rebounds that hurt us, some kickouts, and then transition is easier said than done. Mills said he isn't concerned about the effort level from his players, which he insists is not the problem. In the coach's estimation, WSU's issues remain based on execution. I don't think anybody is doing this on purpose, Mills said. We're not trying to be bottom 2% in transition. That's not intentional. Nobody is trying to miss free throws. The reality is that we've got to get better. We can't fall into that trap of thinking we're a team that can turn around and make a lot of shots. We can't get caught up in that. That's not how this team needs to play in order to give ourselves a chance. So there you have Coach Paul Mills' strategy and Wichita State performance. And I would be very interested to see what is your grade on Wichita State and what is your grade on Paul Mills at this point in the season? Uh, as I read some of the comments of people in some of these 
chat rooms that can be very, 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 very toxic. So toxic, you need to detoxify yourself. Uh, you keep hearing the name Isaac Brown come up in conversation, but now you hear how some people whose patience is that of Sometimes the patience I have with my husky, and that can be very short. Some people's patience is just that short right now, even with Paul Mills. Even though some of those very same people were saying we need to give the man a chance. This is a new team. He has to navigate the portal. Well, you know all this, so why are you ready to throw in the towel? I still say that this team has some nice pieces. Are they making mistakes because maybe the chemistry is a little bit off-kilter? trying to work in Ronnie DeGray, you're trying to work in B. John Cortez, whereas before when you didn't have those guys, you had what you had and you made it work. So now we have to look at the big picture. At the end of the day, this is still a new coach with a whole, pretty much a whole new set of players. However, I will say that the future possibly brighter than it is bleak based on the upcoming recruiting class. Now, I am not saying throw in the towel on this season right now. That is not what I'm saying because there is still a lot of season left to be played in this season. One of the things I would fix, though, if it was me, and I'm not no coach, I've never coached, I'm just like a lot of you that listen to this podcast but I'm not like a lot of people in some of these very toxicating chat rooms. I believe there is a way that you can fix Wichita State. Do I have a voice that can be heard? I don't know. The only way this voice will be heard is if those of you who are listening to this podcast have a way of getting it in the ears of those who need to hear it who are part of Wichita State. And yes, I do have uh, access to Kevin Saul's number, but it's not my job to say, hey, Kevin, uh, tell Paul to do this. But what I will suggest on this podcast, because there was a article surfacing that had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And why would I reference Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? He was, what, seven one seven two. He was seven foot plus. That much I do know. But he had a very devastating shot that could not be blocked. That shot was like a dagger. And you knew if he got the ball down low, you knew what to expect. He didn't have to worry about kicking it out because he had an unstoppable shot. It was called that sky hook. I'm going to tell you right now, I could not stand the Lakers. I could not stand Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I was a Seattle Supersonics fan and they always beat them. But when you look back on it, you respect what Kareem had because what he had couldn't nobody stop. And he said it best like this. He said that today's players aren't being taught properly. And I would have to tend to agree with that. He says nobody wants to play with their back to the basket. Nobody wants to back anyone down. Everybody wants to shoot from the stratosphere. Can I give you my disclaimer? Everybody is not equipped to shoot from the stratosphere. And if you look at the makeup of this Wichita State team, we only have really one bona fide three-point threat in my estimation, 
that would be Kobe Rogers. Every now and then, maybe Dalen Reginald gets hot. But he's an athletic guy who I believe can out-athleticism his man that's guarding him and take him to the bracket. Which leads me to Kenny Poto and Quincy Ballard. With with Kenny Poto, and I've had this argument with a good friend of mine, and we've gone back and forth. Anybody that remembers last year, and this is when you have to give Isaac Brown his props. We were playing our game from the outside in. And the knock on Kenny Poto, if you listen to people talk, is he's not physical enough. He's not tough enough. Isaac Brown tapped into his toughness last year when he said, we're going to change our philosophy and we're going to play from the inside out. It was then when we discovered that Kenny Poto was a better inside player than he was a three-point shooter. That was my first observation. Also, as Kenny was developing his inside game, his inside game was almost unstoppable. With that being said, I believe we have a guy on the coaching staff who can work with our bigs and tap into what Isaac Brown tapped into last year with Kenny Poto. All you have to do is just look at game film from a year ago see what it was when the switch turned on Kenny Poto and tapped back into that. Kenny Poto has an inside game, regardless of you who look in from the outside in and say, well, he's not tough enough. He explained toughness last year when the game plan changed. Next up, Quincy Bell. Seven foot to what? Uh, something north of 250 pounds. He should be a beast in the paint. Personally speaking, I'm going to say it like this. I don't think that we are utilizing him to his full capacity. I believe that if you get him with his back to the basket, work on developing a hook shot, even if it's a jump hook, work with him on a constant basis till it's down pat. Not saying he has to duplicate the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sky hook, but develop some type of jump hook or some type of hook shot because the leverage is if you're right-handed, chances are your left hand is your guard hand, which means in order for them to get to you, they have to fight through your left hand being extended. There's no rule in the book to say you can't have your, especially if you look at how Kareem mastered the hook shot you'll see that his left hand was his his left arm was his guard arm, which meant the defender would basically have to fight through that like fighting through a screen. Well, if you do that, they're going to foul you. I would like to see Quincy Ballard develop a nice little hook shot, one that can't be stopped, one that you know when he goes to it is almost money. And watch our inside the paint shooting percentage go up at least 20%. That's my analogy. That's my take on it. Not trying to be the coach from a microphone in an office desk in my room. Just my observations of what I think could help turn around this Wichita State season and salvage this season. And who knows, still my prediction, a 17-win team this year. Anyway, I am going to 
take me another break. And when I come back, I'm going to get into some NFL talk, mainly some Dallas Cowboy talk. There is some things going on. We're going to also look at some more NFL talk besides Dallas because there is one particular player who's actually pointing the finger at his coach. Who is that? Come back on the other side of this break and I'll let you know exactly who it is on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man! Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man! The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man! Bring your vehicle to the glass man just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit. 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host, your conductor, Anthony Smith. On Wednesday evening. And yes, I am still going to get to my NFL talk and finger pointing that's going on one particular team from a player to a coach. But something that is long overdue in the state of Kansas, high school basketball shot clock and now we're talking about the pros and cons of KSHSAA's trial run for shot clock in Kansas high school basketball 
35 second shot clock is coming to Kansas high school basketball games on trial basis for the 2024-25 season following approval from the Kansas State High School Activities Association Executive Board on Wednesday. It will be up to each school to determine if it wants to use a shot clock for all home boys and girls varsity games. The trial only applies to regular season games, meaning all postseason games will be played without a shot clock. To that right there, I want to say in most cases, where some of these state tournament games are being played at, they're being played on campuses where there's a shot clock. No reason not to play with the shot clock in the state tournaments because you already have shot clocks installed. Especially 6A tournament, I think they should give that strong consideration and you've been playing with the shot clock all year long and now you're playing the 6A tournament at Coke Arena. You already have a shot clock. Why not play with the shot clock in the state tournament? It's just a thought and I think it's one that should be considered. Wednesday's ruling was met with enthusiasm from the majority of Kansas high school basketball coaches while administrators seem to be taking a more cautious approach. The shot clock is a great thing for Kansas basketball and something that's been overdue, May South girls basketball coach Ben Hamilton said. It's going to make the most exciting sport even more exciting at the high school level. Kansas high school basketball coaches like the shot clock. According to support material provided by Acacia, Game officials have concerns that the introduction of the shot clock could lead to potential deterioration of basketball skills. The argument is that the shot clock would lead to more a more frenetic pace, which would in turn lead to more sloppy play. High school basketball coaches, at least at Class 6A and 5A level, where the shot clock is expected to be adopted by the vast majority of schools, passionately argued the exact opposite of the official's stance. This is the only way to play if we're truly attempting to help varsity basketball players prepare for the game at the next level, Wichita Heights boys basketball coach Joe Auer said. Now, our individual ball skills, your ability to create separation off the dribble, your ability as an individual to showcase your talent is definitely on display in a shot clock game. Where in a non-shot clock game, there's no incentive to do anything other than take the absolute best shot. And that's great on one hand. Team basketball, everybody touches it. A lot of ball reversals being very selective. But at the next level, you have to demonstrate the ability to create separation, to score, to go off the dribble, and get your shot off. I'm excited how this is going to reward guys who have good individual ball skills. Helping prepare players with aspirations of playing college basketball is important to coaches in large classifications. We have a lot of kids in our program who want to play at the next level, and I think this is going to be huge for Kansas kids. May South girls basketball coach Ben Hamilton said, it's more action, more basketball. It's great exposure for our kids, and now they're going to be more prepared to play at the college level. 
There's going to be more possessions in the game, and now from a skill development standpoint, you're going to be facing end-of-clock situations. Now, Derby Boys basketball coach Brett Flory said, It's going to be good from a coaching and skill perspective to have some things in place to be able to operate late clock. It's certainly going to prepare players better for those who go on to college. But in the smaller classifications, stalling tactics are more prevalent, and some coaches are concerned the shot clock will take away some strategy. In the 2022 Class 2A Boys State Tournament, Linden held the ball for minutes at a time in an upset bid that ultimately fell short in a 37-28 double overtime loss. That, I will say, is something I do not want to see. Garden Plains girls basketball coach Cody Castleman said he is indifferent to the shot clock but could see why some coaches might not like it. I imagine most of our pat possessions are under 35 seconds, so I'm not sure how big of a change it will really be for us, Councilman said. For I think you will see a change is how some teams game plan differently if you're not if you're outmatched. I know some teams like to slow it down. Some it might take some of the strategy away, but I think people would adjust like anything else, and it would eventually become a part of the game. Why there is hesitation to embrace the shot clock? When Kansas Intercollegiate, when Kansas Intercollegiate Athletic Administrators Association told school administrators this past October, the implementation of a shot clock was overwhelmingly shot down by 279 to 116 margin. A big reason why? The cost. According to Keisha, spokesperson, installing a shot clock will cost anywhere between three to $5,000 for schools. Another reason why administrators are opposed to it because they know how difficult it is finding officials and the controversy that might arise over shot clock issues. Will probably be a school who waits and sees how it goes for, other re- for, those, for both of those reasons. Heston Athletic Director Clint Stoffel said, we already have an official shortage. So trying to find someone who is trained and available to do the job is something to think about. The last thing we want is another reason for someone in the stands to be hollering at officials. During the trial run, Keisha will ask administrators to complete a short survey following each game. The survey is not finalized, but it will be sure to inquire how many shot clock violations there were in the game and if any game stoppages occurred because of the shot clock. The Keisha will collect data and observations throughout the season before making a more permanent decision about implementation following the 2024-25 season. There are some legitimate obstacles to overcome, but I don't think Concerns are necessarily on are on the court concerns, Derby Boys basketball coach Brett Flory said. They're more logistical and administration type concerns. Why some school why some Kansas coaches might skip the shot clock trial. While the headline of the shot clock being introduced to Kansas school basketball is exciting, some coaches were less than thrilled 
when they read the fine print. For some reason, unbeknownst to us, we're not going to do it in the postseason. Wichita Heights boys basketball coach Jarrah said, the idea we're going to play a shot clock game all year and then play a much different style of basketball in the postseason, I can't come up with a good reason for that. And trust me, coach, neither can I. This is something you and me both need to talk about. And what better place to talk about it than on this platform? So, Coach Joe Hour, if you're listening, reach out to me. We're going to make this happen because I can't understand that either. It doesn't make no sense to me. I mean, why play it for the whole season and then come postseason, especially at the, I don't say anywhere from the 4, 5, 6, 8 level, why would you not play with it when, like I say, at these campuses, you plan them on college campuses, they already have the shot clock installed. It's not like you have to go somewhere and say, well, we don't have a shot clock. So, we're No, you plan on a college campus that has shot clocks. Just want to operate the shot clock and play the games with the shot clock. You haven't played it all year, so why not play it in the tournament? It's apple and oranges when you have a shot clock and when you don't, Derby Boys basketball coach Brett Flory said. While the shot clock is expected to be implemented for the majority of the of class 6A and in class 5A schools, it is likely to be less popular in the lower classifications. Collegiate boys basketball coach Mitch Spiegel, who competes at 3A level, says he is fully on board with playing games with the shot clock, but is considering not implementing the shot clock for the trial run because of the difference in postseason play. Why would I want to play by one set of rules for the entire season and then play by a different set of rules in the postseason, Spiegel said reason it's okay to take a bad shot is because there's a shot clock. So now I'm telling guys for 20 games to think it's okay to take a bad shot because we're at the end of the shot clock. Then we start the postseason and expect them to behave differently. I'm not too excited about that. Coaches like May South Girls Basketball's Ben Hamilton agrees. It's not ideal, but believes the trial run is what is needed to eventually make the rule permanent. Not having it in the postseason is definitely something you're not super excited about. But honestly, this is a baby step in the right direction for the game. And Kansas Hamilton said, I think it's going to be a great thing and it's going to continue to spread. And I think you'll see this at the 1A through 6A level in the next five years. So, there you have the scoop on shot clock coming to Kansas high school basketball something that is long overdue so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break right here and when I come back I'm definitely as promised going to get into my NFL talk so don't you go nowhere I will be right back on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast taking you here and taking you there and taking you everywhere all on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Need a haircut? Do like I do. 
Go to 256 North Topeka, Midtown Barbershop. Two seasoned barbers on staff. You have Malcolm and you have Tony. Specializing in bald haircuts, bald fades, mustache, and beard trims. You name it, they can do it. That's right. That's Malcolm. That's Tony at Midtown Barbershop, 256 North Topeka. You may walk in looking like five bucks, but by the time they get through, you'll walk out looking like brand new money. That's Midtown Barbershop with Tony and Malcolm. Tell them the A-Train sent you. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the glass man just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your host, Kenya Conductor of the State's Number One Podcast. And as I promised, we're going to get to some NFL talk. As when seasons comes to an end, you tend to find out what's going to people's mind that you didn't have privy to prior to while the season was going on. So what am I talking about? Well, apparently all is not peaches and cream in Steelerland or in the Steel City. Now, last we seen Mike Tomlin, he was asked about his contract and that, in essence, was the end of the interview. Well, since then, in a report surfacing on A to Z, a to Z Sports, Steelers' Najee Harris points finger at Mike Tomlin after Bills after loss at Bills. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, especially after emotional losses that end the season. But when someone continues to throw subtle shots, throughout a season, you can typically sense a pattern in their behavior. Pittsburgh Steelers running back Najee Harris has either been critical of his teammates and coaches or non-committal to post-game media for much of the year. But none of what he said or didn't say had the effect his mess had the effect his message after the Bills lost will. He said, things need to change. If I could pull up his audio so you can know exactly what it was he had to say. Because he he has something to say and he wants to be heard.
I am not sure if you could hear that well. It the audio sounded very sketchy. But he basically said Pittsburgh needs some serious change inside the organization. Since I've been here three years, obviously I have my opinions on things, but I'm just a player, said Harris after the Bills' game. But if you want to elevate and get to where we're at, there's got to be some in-house things that need to change. Coach Tomlin always tells me, just play running back. That's a little inside thing that we have too. But if you want to elevate where we are and achieve those goals that we want, we have to change some in-house stuff. Like I said, that's not my place. That's not anything that I can control or do anything about that. Harris was trying to tiptoe around what he really wanted to say without saying it. And credit to him for having the self-awareness on the fly to acknowledge what he was saying and trying to hedge his words. But the damage was already done. In-house rules. Not changes to coaches or anything like that. Just the rules that are in the building, Harris said. We've got to be more disciplined. We've got to be more committed. I'm not saying that we're not, but coming from a place that has structure and coming and just seeing we could probably get help in these areas make a change. I think that's something that could help. I'm not saying anything about coaches or anything like that. I'm saying in-house rules. Well, I know Harris said he wasn't talking about coaching, but when he says coming from a place that has structure and just seeing what we could get help in these areas. He's literally comparing Alabama, Harris's alma mater, and Nick Saban's way of doing things compared to Mike Tomlin's. Now, I don't think Harris intentionally meant to take a shot at his head coach on the heels of a season-ending loss, but I do know that he's brutally honest and as straightforward as they come, even though he's gotten much better at keeping to himself over the years. And as for Tomlin, his future is as murky as it has ever been in Pittsburgh. Reports of Coach T potentially stepping away after the season were starting to mount prior to Monday's game. And they will only continue to rise following Tomlin's postgame presser against the Bills. Needless to say, it's shaping up to be the most interesting Steelers offseason in a long time. Speaking of Mike Tomlin, we just might have his words as well, too. It would be nice to have his words or the words that he didn't say. So Mike Tomlin walks out of press room when asked about future with Steve. So emotions tend to run high after football games, both good and bad. That is only magnified in playoff scenarios where season scenarios where season and NFL legacies are on the line. And following a loss that was still fresh, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin let those emotions get the best of him. There was a slight grunt as soon as Coach Tomlin realized where the question was going followed by his immediate walk off the podium in front of the press and millions watching live on NFL Network. 
Tomlin's future with the team has been in the news recently, with many speculating that while it's unlikely that he will be fired, there's a chance he walks away from the team to take the year off and potentially come back with another organization later down the line. Let me put a pin right there. <laughs> there. Chuck Noll. Bill Cowher. Those are the only coaches that we know to date for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when their coaching day was done, their coaching day was done. To insinuate that Mike Tomlin would take a year off and come and come back to another organization, to me, that's far-fetched. Remember, this is the same Mike Tomlin when they asked him about a college coaching job. He basically put that reporter on blast, and rightfully so. And basically, in that press conference, and said, now, when you decide to ask me about Pittsburgh Steelers-related questions and what happened on the field, then I'll answer your questions. Then he basically said, is there anyone else who want to ask me about a potential job elsewhere? And he held this Pittsburgh Steelers job as the most prestigious job in all of sports. So to think that he would step down for a year and come back to coach another organization, I'm going to be the one to say it, not going to happen. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say it like this. He has acknowledged how loyal the Steeler organization is to him. I believe he's just as equally loyal. You will see Mike Tomlin coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. The man still has yet to have a losing record. So, yes, Mike Tomlin, mark my words, will be coaching in Pittsburgh next year. Anyway, Tomlin's future with the team has been in the news recently, with many speculating that while it's unlikely they will be fired, there's a chance he walks away from the team, take a year off, and potentially come back with another organization later down the line. With the Patriots and Bill Belichick parting ways after 24 years, Mike Tomlin is officially the longest tenured head coach in the NFL and also holds the most consecutive winning seasons among any active head coach as he has never gone below 500 in his 17 years as leader of the black and gold. It should be noted that the Roonies have emphasized their want to extend Tomlin's contract past the 2024 season, and Tony Romo and Jim Nance, who called the Steelers' bill game on Monday, were adamant that Tomlin was going to be back. See, I'm not the only one that thinks that. That was before the game and a Steelers loss that leaves them going home yet another year without any hardware, however. So we'll find out soon enough if Tomlin was just frustrated or if he has truly run his course in Pittsburgh. And what? Let me just throw this out. What do you, what do the Steelers do at quarterback next year? Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, draft a QB, or go sign a free agent. 
you know what? I just may even use that as my poll question. What do the Steelers do at QB next year? Notice there was a name that wasn't on there? Mitch Trubisky. There's probably a reason that name wasn't on there. But that is not all we have as far as the NFL is concerned because everybody is not pointing fingers. Because we're going to stick with the NFL, but we're also going to stay in the same state. We're going to venture to the city of brotherly love because their season ended too and there is also a lot of speculation going on as to what's going on in Philadelphia. Is Nick Seriani going to lose his job? Which to me I find it kind of, kind of strange. I mean you were in the Super Bowl just a year ago runner up but before we get there, there's no secret, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. And of course, I catch grief. And of course, I'm always in arguments. You know, kind of like Terrell Owens, you know, you talking about Dak Prescott. That's, that's my quarterback. Because Tony Romo was his quarterback. But it'd be interesting to see what the perception of one Dak Prescott is in Cowboy locker room. So there is a report on the spun. NFL Insider clarifies how Dak Prescott is viewed in the Cowboys locker room. The Dallas Cowboys' untimely exit from the NFL playoffs has people speculating about the future of several key organizational figures, including Dak Prescott. During her season wrap-up conversations with members of Team of Money, NFL Network's Jane Slater spoke with one player who expressed some concern that Dak panics when first read, not there. Today, Slater took to X, formerly known as Twitter, to address what she felt was an unfair framing of her reporting by another outlet. She says, I love my guy at Richie Witt, but his head, this headline is a little unfair and misleading. There was no stabbing in back, and this wasn't a bombshell nugget. Players were owning their fault in the loss and assessing areas team struggle. This nugget was Dak in panic when first read not there. But I guess where the uh, controversy says Cowboys backstab bombshell Dak Prescott panics Mike McCarthy stubborn anonymous player in trust violation. Anyway, Slater who clarified how Dak how Prescott is perceived and appreciated within the Cowboys locker room in a subsequent tweet. Dak is, in, is incredibly supported in that locker room, she said. 
by his own admission, that wasn't his best game Sunday. I want people to be fair, and I apologize for not being more clear. I don't want this narrative to take on a life of its own, and it clearly has. Dak is incredibly supported, as that's what she tweeted. Said Prescott enjoyed one of the best regular seasons as a pro this year, threw for 403 yards, three touchdowns, but also tossed a pair of costly interceptions in Sunday's 48-32 loss to the Green Bay Packers. The veteran quarterback is heading into the final year of his current contract. Of course, there's also reports that right now, Jerry Jones isn't doing nothing with Mike McCarthy. His job is looking increasingly safe. Of course, Mike Greenberg says, Cowboys make too much sense for Bill Belichick. But also, as we go through, everyone's making some joke about Cowboys, Eagles, fans today. I want to look at this because this is going to lead me right into what's next with that brotherly love, that same state of Pennsylvania. After the Dallas Cowboys lost at home to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, fans of the Philadelphia Eagles rushed to social media to unleash their best jokes. Roughly 24 hours later, Eagles fans found themselves at the center of most NFL-themed jokes. Despite having a better roster and record than the Buccaneers, the Eagles were outclassed on Monday night. It was fitting. It was a fitting end to an awful second half of the season for last year's NFC champions. Now that Dallas and Philadelphia are officially eliminated from playoffs, their fan bases can battle it out for biggest disappointment on social media. And somebody, Cowboys fans, the Eagles fans, had a picture of Tom Brady sitting down in the chair, turned around with a little smug grin on his face like, hmm, see that, Dallas? See what happened to Philly? So, speaking of Philadelphia, they are not exempt from post-game comments or whatever, however you want to look at this. Because there's a lot of speculation swirling around what's going to happen with Philly, just as everybody want to know what's going to happen with Dallas and Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and Dak Prescott. People want to know what's going to happen with Nick Sirianni. And I just love these headlines that says that a certain player has strong, has strong trust of words on Nick Sirianni. The Philadelphia Eagles lost 32-9 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, ending their late-season collapse in the worst possible way. Jalen Hurts completed 25 of his 35 pass attempts, 250 yards and one touchdown. 1,000-yard running back DeAndre Swift ran for a lousy 34 yards on King carries, and wide receiver Devontae Smith was held to eight catches and 148 receiving yards. How does this happen? Once, how does this happen? Once a 
and one team. After the game, Hurts was asked about the elephant in the room, a.k.a. head coach Nick Sirianni, his future with the team. He says, I didn't know he was going anywhere, Hurts said post-game. I have a ton of confidence in everyone in this building. It's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football. Well, you'll get the chance to do that next season. That is something that we have not done. So let's just hear exactly what Jalen Hurts had to say. It's going anywhere. I don't. I didn't know that. Nah. I have everybody. I have a ton of confidence in um in everyone in this building. Um, it's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football, and that's been something that we have not done, you know. And so. And those were the words of one Jalen Hurts, who says he did not know that Nick Sirianni was going anywhere. Well, he hasn't gone anywhere as of yet. But he says that I didn't know he was going anywhere. Hurts said post-game, I have a ton of confidence in everyone in this building. It's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football. That's something that we have not done. Said clean football has not been in the Eagles dictionary in over a month, which gives owner Jeffrey Lurie a good enough reason to move on from Sirianni and the rest of the staff if he chooses to. If he doesn't, then Sirianni will remain under scrutiny for at least one more year, and the booing will be heard miles in Philadelphia. So here's another question. Should the Eagles fire Nick Sirianni? Yes or no? So it looks like I have a choice between my poll questions, which I hope that you all will participate in, because, like I said, this year I want to see feedback, not just on Facebook, but on the app itself. Anyway, this has been another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you found the content very informative, as that's what I look to bring. is a lot of informative information on the local level, the Kansas region level, and even to some extent the national level, which is the National Football League, and also maybe some NBA talk. Uh, sprinkling in with some WSU college basketball as they are set to take the road, I believe, tomorrow night with Florida Atlantic University. And they're just going to hang out there on the coast, out there where the sun is shining, where the temperature is warmer. They're going to be playing uh, University of South Florida, I believe, on Saturday. So wish them the best of luck in their endeavors as they try to pick up some victories. You heard the players say, season's not over now it's not a time to panic and if they could take away from Sunday's offensive performance and put the same offensive performance together along with some good stout defense 
then they should be able to come back with not one, two victories. But, but once again, I want to thank you for tuning in to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast and hope you have enjoyed the content. Until next time. Today's podcast was sponsored by The Glassman, located at 4411 West Central. Chip, crack, or just plain broken? Bring your windshield by The Glassman.